From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Now, today is, uh, today we're going to talk about Abraham. And Abraham is known as the father of faith. Uh, he is quoted all the time in the New Testament. Uh, and at, when he's quoted in the New Testament, when you look at the life of Abraham and say, why did God choose Abraham? Like, what is the purpose of Abraham? And remember, we talked about this before. Abraham is the father of uh, Christianity, Judaism. Uh, he's the father of Islam. Uh, a third of the, no, 54, I think that was what it was, 54% of the world um, by classification of where they are, whatever, you know, however you get into a religion, 54% of the world is a follower of Abraham. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, and his story is included in Genesis. And we've been following Abraham now for, for 10, you know, 10 chapters. I mean, he is a major, major character in, in, in the Old Testament. But, but he's, he's known as the father of faith. His, his life is depicted, I believe, because of what happens in Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is pivotal um, to the Abrahamic religions. We're all children of Abraham. We all rely on faith. Faith is important to us. There are a lot of people where, f where faith is not as important, at least as they understand faith. But for, for Christians and for Jews and probably for uh, people who are followers of Islam, Muslims, um, faith is a big deal. And, and it all comes down to Abraham and this story that's in Genesis chapter 22. And uh, so this is uh, the reason why Abraham is included. But remember why we, the reason why we remember Abraham uh, is because of who he is, how God called him, and then what God did to him, uh, which required faith from Abraham. I mean, that is, and so it is worth spending time looking at Abraham and, and what happened and the faith and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you just can't gloss over Abraham. You really need to delve deep into the story of Abraham. And so we will. We are going to spend I don't know how much time, and, and you're going to, I don't know, maybe you'll, I, I, I hope it's interesting. I mean, I hope you, it really, I guess there's two things. One is that I hope that the, that the story of Abraham, what happens in 22, chapter 22, um, that as we look at it, it provides anxiety, that it, that it provides in your life a moment of clutching your soul and saying, you know, I never really thought about that before. But I really, I'm, I'm hoping that the story of Abraham and his faith really resonates deeply with you. And because of it, that perhaps you have a new realization of what faith is, uh, how important faith is in your life, uh, and how there's, there's a simple faith, uh, and then there's a, a God-ordained terror, a terror faith. <laughs> I don't is terror, uh, terror and, and anxiety go to, together, right? I mean, um, it's not just anxiety. It's, it's terror. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a faith that, that you really have to think about. And when you think about it, it scares you to death. 
maybe that's maybe that's a better way of saying it but because the faith of abraham is one that should scare and terrorize and give us anxiety and if it doesn't my prayer is is that you dig deep enough into it to realize that it should <coughs> all right so with all that being said um i think the first thing we're going to do is we're just gonna we're just gonna read the story because uh it is worth kind of seeing uh the, it is worth kind of doing the superficial reading through the story and maybe even maybe even we'll get into a a light reading of what the story means before we get into the maybe maybe what i'll do I, yeah i got a few minutes i'll read the story i'll give you the superficial reading of the story and then i'm going to ask you some questions that maybe you could ponder over the weekend that that might terrorize you <laughs> that might give you anxiety how's that and then uh then over the weekend you know once the anxiety settles in then we'll get together on monday and we'll even start processing why you have anxiety over it and uh and what that means and what it means for god working in your life the story of abraham uh has two components one is what god does to abraham uh, and then what that means to the world around Abraham, his wife, his son. Uh, as we've seen before, Abraham uh, has a tribe that that he, you know, at one point he had 300 men that he called out to rescue Lot. So Abraham is not an isolated individual. He is, a, he is an isolated individual in that he's an individual person, but he is also the father of of. Isaac and he is kind of the tribal leader of a bunch of people. So he is he is a man of means, he's a man of intelligence. I mean he negotiates with God, he's a man of, you know, inner encounters with God, negotiates with God, he's, he fears God, but he challenges God. I mean he is he is a, he is all of us. And I've said this many times. Abraham is all of us. But now if Abraham is all of us, then Abraham's story should resonate deeply with all of us too. And so so Abraham's an individual, but he's also a man who is connected to a society that by this time already has rules about what God's calling Abraham to do and how God wants him to violate those rules. So anyway, let's just get into the story. Um, this is Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said to him, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. All right. Continues on. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. 
But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. Then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nation of the earth will be blessed because of you, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Well, um, yeah, so that's that's probably where we'll end it uh, for right now. That's that it goes on, but it's it's that's the pretty much the end of the story of Abraham. So, I'm sure you've all heard this story before. Um, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Um, they go up into the mountain with the servants. He's got fire. He's got wood, but he doesn't have a sacrifice. Uh, as they're mo going up, Isaac looks at his dad and says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham says, God will provide. Now, um, of course, the cursory reading of this is, well, of course, Abraham was going to have faith. Of course, God was going to come through. God had promised uh, Abraham that he would be a father of a many, many, many great nations. And so... Um, we know that God's going to come through. I mean, because we know the end of the story, right? We know what all this means. Uh, we know not only does God provide the lamb and all is well, Abraham goes on with his life and Isaac goes on with his life. And um, we know even the link between the only son, Isaac, and God giving, providing his only son, Jesus, as a perfect sacrifice. I mean, we We've got nice little bows that we tie around this whole entire story that just make us feel real good, you know? I mean, you can, you can almost sit in your couch and lean back and, and, and smoke your pipe and drink your cognac and say, the world is as good as it should be because uh, Abraham had faith and he's the father of faith. And it's, and it's not hard to follow God, right? It's not hard to have faith because God in my life has never really challenged me to do anything that's very difficult. But what would you do if you were Abraham? And you don't know the end of the story. I mean, what if 
God came to you and said, I want you to do something that is extremely difficult. Uh, and th there's so many different ways to look at this. I mean, if God tells you to do something and it's just you and God, but the rest of the world would look at you and say, that's a horrible thing to do, like sacrifice your son. Or if God calls you to do something and the world says, why would you do that? That's, that's dumb, that's terrible, that doesn't make any sense. Now you're beginning to see the importance of faith in an individual. Faith has two components. Faith is bet always between an individual and God. Faith is, is something that is deeply inside each person. We look at Christ Lutheran Vale as being like a tree that has roots, and each of us has our own roots. But we're also interconnected with everybody else, right? We've also talked about how it's, it's our own faith with our own roots, but we're also interconnected with other people. In order to live in a society, in a Christian society, we set up ethical, moral standards for how we're going to live. But what if God told you to violate the ethical, moral standards by which the society lives in? Uh, and, and you have the choice of either obeying God uh, and being outcast by the society or not obeying God and being outcast by God. And uh, that is the moral, ethical, individual, collective uh, part of this whole thing, is how do you, as a person, grow in your faith? How do you do the things that God has called you to do? And how do you live in a society where God's called you to live in? And that really is the whole point, I believe, of the story of Abraham. Because God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, a cursory reading is that, you know, God called him, but, you know, God provided a lamb. But what, what if you were Abraham? What if your whole entire hopes and dreams of what God has promised to you, you're going to be a great nation, it's going to be through Isaac, and Sarah, who had waited her whole life to have this son Isaac, and now God has called you Abraham and nobody else. It's not like he called the whole entire community together and said, okay, I've told Abraham that he's got to sacrifice Isaac. No, 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 no. But, I, but I'm God and you've got to follow me and that sort of thing. Uh, then the whole society knows and Abraham doesn't. No, God came to Abraham individually, all by himself, without Isaac present, without the servants present, without the 300 men present, without Sarah present, and says, this is what I want you to do. Abraham, I want you to take the one thing that you love more than anything else in the world, and I want you to take it to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice it. And Abraham doesn't argue with God. He doesn't bicker with God. Uh, he doesn't try to negotiate with God and say, hey, can I just cut off an arm or a leg, you know, or a finger or something like that? I mean, that in itself would be horrible, right? Um, can Is there any other way that this this can, this can happen without sacrificing the one thing that I've been waiting my whole life for, and you want me now to sacrifice. I mean, Abraham does not know. This is the, this is the, tra the not the tragedy, this is the terror of the whole entire story about the faith of Abraham, is Abraham doesn't know. All Abraham knows is that God has promised. There was a miracle in the birth of Isaac that should have never happened, right? Um, it's, it's supernatural. It's a miracle. It's God coming through with a promise 
that he promised to Abraham and it was supernatural. And there's no other way to look at it except for supernatural because Abraham and Sarah were too old to have children and they'd tried their whole life and now she's past childbearing age. Uh, and the only way that Isaac exists is with supernatural. So when, when God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham has to say, well, he provided before through supernatural things. So if he wants me to sap sacrifice Isaac now, then he's going to, if he wants me to, um, to be the father of a great nation and, and move forward from here with the promises that he's already promised, then he's going to provide something else, right? It's maybe it's another son. Uh, maybe we go back and find Ishmael who's already been kicked out of the house. Maybe it's through him. Um, maybe, you know, whatever it is, but, but Abraham doesn't seem to question God. He, uh, he seems almost resigned. You could almost say he's the resigned, he's the resigned hero of the story. He, he comes to a point in his life where he realizes that everything is dependent upon God and he just resigns himself to that. Uh, and he, he marches up the mountain with his son Isaac, fully intending to kill him. There's, there's firewood, there's fire, uh, there's no sacrifice. Uh, it's just Abraham and Isaac. And, and we know the end of the story. It's hard for us to, to even picture this. Um, but Abraham doesn't know the end of the story. All he knows is that God's told him to sacrifice Isaac and he's going to do it. And this is what brings about the faith of Abraham. That God calls Abraham to do something horrible that is never going to be accepted by anybody except perhaps Abraham. This is a test of Abraham and Abraham alone. Uh, this is a test between God and Abraham and he puts everything on the line with this test. The one son that you love more than anything else, the son through whom which the promise is, and you're going to slay him. And, and by all means of looking at this, uh, you... <laughs> You can try to say, well, Abraham must have known, you know, that's, that, he, that God is going to provide a lamb in the thicket or whatever, but Abraham doesn't know. He simply doesn't know. So place yourself over the weekend, place yourself as Abraham, that you've been called by God to sacrifice the one and only son that he has provided in your life, and you have no idea what's going to happen after that. You just know that God's called you to do that, and put yourself in Abraham's life and in his, in his shoes with, with a beautiful, bouncing 13-year-old child that gives you life and joy and happiness. And, uh, and you have all the means necessary to do everything to raise this child as, I mean, you don't even have to work. You can just sit there and play with this boy all day long. You've got servants and money and everything you'd ever want. And all your life consists of is just you and Isaac and Sarah, just laughter and joy with this son. And God called you to now kill this son. Could you do it? Would you do it? And maybe even the deeper question is, what would happen after you did it? Like, think about the ride home after you did it. Like, what do you tell the servants What about what happened? You know, how, what stories would you make up so that you could still be a member of the society, what would you tell Sarah? What would you tell your other servants? What would you tell the people in your community? Would you lie or would you tell the truth? 
Okay, that's, that's number one. But here's number two. He doesn't do it, but he had every intention of. So what was that ride home? <laughs> how, how, what happened to Abraham's faith and what happened to Isaac's faith on the ride home? Uh, and the Bible doesn't say, but I mean, there's some, there's some interesting, you know, narratives that you could construct in your head about how that conversation went between Abraham and Isaac. Uh, and how did Abraham pose this to Isaac? What was the conversation on the road? And maybe we'll start with that on Monday because, um, believe it or not, this, this story resonated deeply with a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. He was a uh, theologian, a, a philosopher, um, who really, this story uh, bothered him deeply. And he even wrote a book about it <laughs> called Fear and Trembling. And in that book, uh, he gives three scenarios, or four, I guess it's four scenarios, of, um, of what that ride, ride home must have looked like. Like, what are the four options now available to Abraham? What, what, what does he tell his son, how does he maintain the balance? The faith always causes loss. Faith always takes sacrifice. Uh, and so the four stories are like, what's lost now because of this? Um, so think about that. Like, what do you think is lost after this? And then we'll pick up the story again on Monday as we really, really dig deep into the story of Abraham because it is worth doing. Uh, it is worth finding out about why he's called the father of faith. And then if that's true, why that should terrorize us when we think about our own faith, or at least give us anxiety. Maybe not terror, maybe terror. Before Jesus, it would be terror. But after Jesus, maybe a little bit of anxiety. And then with Jesus, gratefulness. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, dear Jesus, uh, thank you for being the perfect sacrifice uh, in our life. The, the perfect sacrifice that made, uh, made, it, uh, made it possible that Isaac did not need to be sacrificed. Uh, continue to watch over us in our life, uh, watch over our world. Uh, keep us safe uh, until we meet again. In your name we pray.